Thanks for tuning in to Faith Online. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. So hopefully this morning you are determined to do whatever you're going to do for the next 21 days, but you will only achieve it by being intentional. You will only achieve it by having this um, consistent obedience and focus. And so this morning what I really want to do is talk about the why, the what, and the how of fasting to hopefully encourage you and inspire you this morning. Let me just give you um, or ask you a question. When, when when, when, When someone mentions fasting, what is your first thought? If someone, so if Mike, Pastor Mike comes up and says, guys, we're going to go into a month of prayer and fasting, what is your first thought? I'm going to let you into a little secret. For many years, my first thought when my pastor would say to me, we're going to do 21 days or a month of prayer and fasting, I have a little smile that might have said, awesome. But on the inside, I'm thinking, oh, groan. <laughs> now, Now, I'm probably the only one here in that room. I'm sure none of you think like that. But um, but here's the point. Often, our first thought about something determines how we go into it. And so for many years, and for a lot of my Christian life, I go into a time of, of fasting, to be quite honest, with a great degree of reluctance. And so I've learned now to overcome that. And so I go into fasting with a, great, uh, with a, with a lot more excitement. Uh, and hopefully, by sharing what I'm going to share, will we'll help you too. But here's the thing about fasting. So why, why should we fast? Because that's a valid question to ask. Well, why should we fast? What is the point of fasting? Well, clearly, um, Jesus actually commands that we fast. Jesus tells us that we should fast. In fact, fasting was a discipline in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Fasting actually enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your, uh, your, your true spiritual confession, which, uh, sorry, spiritual condition, which is really what Buffy was talking about earlier on. As we come and we fast, we allow the Holy Spirit to just reveal our true spiritual condition. You know, the Holy Spirit can actually seek us and search us, and we can actually discover things about ourselves. Fasting can also reveal a dynamic personal revival, I believe, as we come and we we dedicate time and we, we actually sacrifice. Something can happen inside us that can change us. And that's the exciting bit. So in Matthew chapter 6, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, it will come up on the screen. Jesus talks about three disciplines which he just expects his followers um, to carry out. So Matthew is written um, to believers. And so, so you'll find in chapter 6, Matthew, um, Jesus talks about when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. So this, these aren't optional disciplines. Jesus expects us to be doing that. And these are disciplines that actually help us come to that place of maturity. So after Jesus has talked about when you pray, and he gives the model, if you like, of how to pray, he then talks about when you fast. He expects us to do that. And um, so Matthew 6, 16 says this, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try and look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Let me paraphrase that. In modern-day Christianity, this is how that scripture's worked out. Oh, I'm fasting. Oh, I'm giving up coffee. Oh, I'm doing this. Oh, I'm doing that. And someone will say, well, well done. 
Very good. That's a real sacrifice. That's really what that scripture is saying. And that's really not what Jesus is looking for. This is what he's looking for. But you, verse 17 and 18 going on, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in a secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Again, my paraphrase of that is be prepared. Get ready, you know, just the whole thing about washing yourself, combing your hair, just being... It, what, what Jesus is talking about here is true fasting. It's just being prepared, being ready, and being intentional. That's what he's after. So why should we fast? Jesus commands that we should do it, and Jesus modeled it himself. We're not going to turn there, but if you want to look at, at the example of Jesus, he modeled this for 40 days. In Luke chapter 4, it talks about how Jesus, who had just been baptized, was full of the Holy Spirit. So in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness where he, uh, he, he fasted for 40 days. Interestingly, when he comes out of the wilderness, it says that Jesus was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Interesting how really that 40 days was really like a training ground for Jesus because then he began his public ministry. So he was baptized, full of the Holy Spirit. He spent 40 days in training and then he came out of that period and then he began his public ministry. So it's really like a boot camp. You know, I, I can't remember when it was. It was maybe a couple of years ago. Um, and I don't think it was February fast. It was just a time that I'd set aside that I was going to fast. And I woke up in the morning, and I had to go into work. And it was one of those occasions where I'm just preparing to go into work. I'm having my cup of tea, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm doing my devotion, and I'm praying. And knowing that I planned to fast on this particular day. And as I was praying, I was kind of trying to justify why I was going to not fast. A really busy day really stressful day coming up. I've got to be really sharp for some meetings that I'm going to go to. If I, if I don't eat, potentially I'm not going to be on my best form. And therefore, I had basically negotiated. Well, I hadn't negotiated. I just told God that I was just not going to fast because it was probably in my best interests because I had a busy day coming up. And, and, and as I kind of prayed this prayer, I just felt the Holy Spirit give me a little nudge. And this is what he said to me. Stuart, you can do that. But actually, if you go and you fast it's a great opportunity for you to grow. And that was all I needed. So I went into work and I, and I fasted that day. One of the things about fasting, as far as I'm concerned, it's a, a wonderful opportunity for us to grow. So I take us back to those, we won't look at it, but, but go back to those first three scriptures about being fully mature, coming to a place of maturity where Christ is visible in us. Man, fasting is one of the vehicles that can get us to that place. Let me now give you Matthew 6, 16 to 18. This is the message version, and I really love this translation. So I think Eugene Peterson is really picking up, actually, on the heart here of fasting. He says this, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline, <laughs> I love the way he puts that, some appetite-denying discipline, to better concentrate on God, don't make a production of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, I love that. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. In other words, don't be weird. 
shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He will reward you well. What I love about that rendering is this whole thing about going into training inwardly. That's what we're doing, friends, in the next 21 days. We're going into training inwardly. And, uh, and I hope that you're really excited about that. Now, it talks, so, so Jesus is talking about when you fast in conjunction with when you pray. So it's interesting, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. I think that this next 21 days gives you and I the opportunity, as it were, to join Jesus in the desert. Maybe, maybe as an inspiration for you, you can read Luke chapter 4 and just, just read what happened when Jesus was in the wilderness and when he fasted. Sure, he was hungry. Sure, he was tempted. But he comes out of that time with a greater degree of strength and power and ready for what God has commissioned him to do. Sometimes when we fast, see fasting is actually something physical that we do. And sometimes you actually need to do something physical to see a spiritual reality and a spiritual breakthrough. Let me give you an example. Um, do you know the story of Moses? So when, when Moses has got his hands raised, when the Israelites are in battle against the Amalekites, Moses is there, he's, he's um, like a top of a mountain, and, he, and he's praying and he's got his hands raised. When, the, when his hands are raised, the Bible says in Exodus, um, it'll come up, 17:11. it says that when Moses had his hands raised, the Israelites prevailed. When he had his hands lowered they didn't and so because it was important that his hands were raised um, you've got um, his two companions beside him lifting his hands up and when they got tired they put his hands on rocks so that his hands could still be raised the interesting thing about that word prevail is the original Hebrew word for it means to strengthen so as we as we are fasting we are actually doing some kind of inner strengthening so this is all about training it's all about inner strengthening. It's all about us prevailing. And someone mentioned earlier on about breakthrough. One of the reasons we fast is because we're believing for breakthrough. Amen? We're believing for breakthrough. Come on, I want to get a little bit noisy this morning. Come on, we're believing for breakthrough, aren't we? Yeah? Good. That's what we're doing. That's what we're after. Okay. Let me just, so, so let me just give you a little, a little phrase. I heard someone say this, and I've now nicked it. Um, but let, let me give you this. Fasting without prayer is simply a diet. Right? So, because so, so often we say, oh, I'm fasting, that's great. But the purpose of fasting is actually so that we can create space to pray. So now, now, may, now maybe you are here this morning and let's just be honest, cards on the table time. Maybe you haven't thought about what you're going to do for fasting. Maybe you haven't planned it yet. Well, I want to encourage you, you've, you've got a few hours before it starts. Okay. Now, I have often fallen into that category. I've come to fasting time, and it's come to the Sunday of the launch. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what am I going to fast? What I've learned is if you go into your fasting like that, you probably won't achieve very much. But if you go in planned, you know, living intentionally, then I believe you, you're in for a very, very exciting 21 days. So my wife and I, what we did was we planned. We, we sat down last week, and we said, okay, let's fast together. So, so we're fasting together, and so we're not having our evening meals on the same day so that we can spend time praying together. 
don't fast and then book your diary so that you can't spend time praying. Or if you've got prayer meetings here, make sure you come to your prayer meeting here. Come on. The whole point of fasting is it creates space for us to pray. Yeah? Okay. So, that's... <coughs> What's the, that, that's the why of fasting. Let's little, t- talk a little bit about the what of fasting. So we talked about the why. So if you're like, what's the point of fasting? What are we trying to do with fasting? I reckon there's a bit of a misconception um, within church, and I don't mean this church, I just mean church generally, and in Christian circles, that fasting is really we're trying to just twist God's arm. And, and to be quite honest, I've fallen guilty of that. It's like, God, I've fasted for a couple of days. Now, it's like, I'm gonna, it's, it's like manipulative fasting, isn't it? Yeah? Now, I, I want to challenge that mindset. I want to challenge that. Because that's what, God is not looking for that. He is not looking for you to try and manipulate him. Okay? So, yes, I believe that we're going to get breakthroughs as we fast. But I don't believe going into a time of prayer and fasting, it's like, okay, I've, I've fasted. I've done a full fast for two days or three days. Now, surely God's going to give me what I want. I don't believe it works like that. I don't believe that's the point of it. Because what that reveals is that reveals a very much a me-centered nature when we come before God. And so fasting is done in conjunction with prayer. And so I want to just um, show you a scripture which is very, very well known. And I believe this will help you when it comes to your prayer life, particularly in this time of prayer and fasting. It's Psalm 23, verse 1. And this is the, the, and let's look at this um, psalm, well known, just through the lens of fasting. Now, I'm sure we all know this. This is David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing or I shall not be in want. Now, those are words we're all really familiar with. Let me, let me just draw your attention to the first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He looks after sheep. A shepherd leads sheep. Okay? So looking at this scripture through the context of prayer, if the Lord is my shepherd, who is leading my prayer life, me or the Lord? the Lord. So, so often we can come to prayer and what we do is we give God a shopping list. And how many times have we said to God, oh Lord, and we've told him about a particular situation like he doesn't know about it. Is that when you tell God about a situation, he's not, he's not sitting there thinking, Stuart, I'm so glad you brought that to my attention because I really wasn't aware of that difficulty you're having at work, but now I'm aware. That's really good. Thank you. He knows that. He knows that. So if you can, if you can, if you can get a revelation of this, the Lord is my shepherd. When you come in prayer, if, if you have this revelation that actually the Lord is my shepherd, and we don't just come in prayer with our, our shopping list of wants, we actually let the Holy Spirit lead our prayer, then that takes on a totally different dimension totally different so let me ask you a question who's leading your prayer life is it you or the lord now that now clearly it's not wrong for you to bring your wants and your needs to god the bible tells us we should do that but we do it having had a time where we just allow god to speak to us and his holy spirit to reveal stuff to us see if we approach God with the mentality that we are leading prayer and that we are in lack, I believe that we're wrong. Because this scripture says that the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. I lack nothing. 
I reckon living in the Western world and this Western society, we're so blessed. We are so blessed. Now, there might be things that we want, but I wonder if any of us are really in lack. Probably if any of you are genuinely, genuinely in lack, this is such a family-focused church that someone's going to go out of their way and help you and provide for you. But actually, when I look at this scripture, I think, this is true. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, he wants to lead me. And actually, I personally lack absolutely nothing. So if we can look at that, I think that really helps us. Um, let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. So, so Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I heard a preacher called Shane Willard, who some of you may know, who unpacked this verse in a way that I'd never seen before, and it totally changed my prayer life. It completely put a different spin on it. And those of you who've heard Shane speak on this will know what's coming next. If you've never heard Shane speak on this, then I think this will really help you. Now, the word heaven there comes from um, the word, um, and I'm going to try and pronounce it right. It's a Greek word, uranos. And the short definition of that is, if you like, the atmosphere or the sky. And so the original Greek rendering of this verse is this. My father, who is as close to me as the air that I breathe, I stop and become aware of you. See, if, if we... If we with our human mind and our human reasoning, when, when you say or have the notion of our Father in heaven, so heaven is up there somewhere, I'm here, there's a huge chasm, there's a huge detachment. Now we know as believers the Holy Spirit lives in us, but we can live with this mentality that there's a detachment. I believe that this rendering is so powerful because it talks about that, that, that God is actually so close to us, why his Holy Spirit lives in us who's as close to me as the air that I breathe, that I stop and I become aware of you. What does that mean? That means that we can actually become aware of God, that we can pray, that we can just have that connection with God wherever we are, wherever we are. Is it right to go into our prayer closet and have our prayer time? Yeah, absolutely it is. But, you know, you can, you can be aware of God on your way to work as you drive your car or you're on the bus or you're on the tube. You can be aware of God when you're just with a whole lot of people. You see, when, when Paul says pray, um, pray at all times, now, if our traditional view of prayer is that we're on our knees in our prayer closet, that's impossible. But if we can have an understanding that, that God is as close to me as the air that I breathe and I can stop and become aware of him, then actually that means that we can go through our lives, we can pray our, th- our way through the day. And I believe as we fast... now. This isn't, this isn't a trick question, but when, when you're not eating, there's a physical manifestation. You are hungry. And when you're hungry, your tummy rumbles and you feel like you know you're hungry. And I know that when I'm not eating, I'm hungry. And that's just a reminder to me that why am I doing it? And then if I know that God is so close to me that I can just stop and become aware of him, then I can actually be praying my way through the day. This is how this stuff works. Yeah? That's what we can do. And I think if we look at it from that perspective, it really, does, um, it really does change everything. So that's some of the why, some of the um, what's... Ah, yeah, let's go on uh, in that psalm. So the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It goes on, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he refreshes my soul. 
I like how David connects our soul with quiet waters, still waters. And he's talking here about if we allow God to lead us, and we're looking at this through the lens of prayer, if we allow God to lead us in prayer, if we have the posture that we lack nothing, it's like God wants to lead us by quiet waters. He wants our soul to be like still waters. See, if our soul is filled, now let's, let me just give you a practical analogy here. It, this bottle, right, is full of water. If I shake it, the water is, is actually quite still, isn't it? There's not an awful lot of movement going on there. I've now got a half-empty bottle. When this bottle was shaken, the contents are, wow, they're, they're all over the place, aren't they? Now, if you, if you, think, about, if you think about these bottles as a, as, as a metaphor for your soul, if your soul is full, when times of trouble and testing and shaking comes, there's a calmness, isn't there? Right? When times of, um, this, is, this is half full, and sometimes you think, well, half full is pretty good. You know, if you're, if you're a half glass full person, you think this is pretty good. If you're half a glass half empty, it's not so good. But if you're a half glass full, this is okay. But when times of shaking and pressure and testing come, your soul's all over the place. This is a half full bottle of lemonade. <laughs> this is shaking and testing. And if, if I take that um, lid off, which I won't, there would be an explosion. How many of us are living with extreme stress and pressure because our souls are not full? You see, in my view, the most important thing out of fasting and praying in February fast is that we come, we come before God, we allow him to lead us to a place where our souls are full. Our souls, it's like these, these quiet waters. Now, interestingly, when David wrote this, you've got to understand where David wrote this. He's in, um, he, he's in this Middle Eastern country. The temperatures are 40, 45 degrees. Um, there'd either be no water or there'd be rushing water from, as a result of a storm. There wouldn't be often an oasis of quiet waters. So David knew what it's like to not have quiet waters. You know, my question to you this morning is how full is your soul? You know, are you this? Or are you that? Or are you this? Come on, why don't we, as a group of friends, look to be this at the end of 21 days? You know, allow, allow God to minister to your soul so that you've got quiet waters, yeah? Okay, let me just give you a couple of examples of why people fast from Scripture. I'm running out of time, so I'll go as quick as I can. And then um, a couple of practical things, and then I'd love to pray for you. So we've looked at some examples of why people fast. So we've talked about training. There are seven points. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through all seven. Um, but, but really, these are... Um, if you could just put the slide up with us. Yeah, great, thank you. So here you can see, these are some great examples in Scripture as to why people fasted. And I think this is going to be really helpful for you. So we talked about training. I think we could all do with some training, right? But there might be some other specific things. So um, maybe you're here this morning and you've got a decision to make. Well, a great thing you can do is pray and fast. So um, in Acts 14.23, it says that Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted before appointing the elders of the church and then committing them. They had a decision to make. 
They took it to prayer. They took it to fasting. And then they appointed elders and they committed them to the Lord. I suspect some of you here have got some decisions that you need to make. Why don't you just take those decisions into this time of fasting and prayer and just allow God to reveal his wisdom to you? Yeah? So that's a decision. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, oh, gosh, you're talking about prayer and fasting. I'm really going through some stuff. Maybe some of you here this morning are, 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 are grieving. Maybe some of you are mourning. Some of you maybe have been through times of difficulty. And, and I, love, um, I love this in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, many of you may know the story, um, he was told about how the walls of Jerusalem were lying in ruins. And, and he was just so upset about that. He was, the Bible said that he, was, he grieved it, he mourned it. But then in um, verse 4, it says this, and this is Nehemiah speaking of himself, when I heard these things, these things being the, the destruction of the wall of Jerusalem, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed. And you know, out of that time of fasting, and he was grieving, he was mourning, he was real before God. And sometimes we need to be real before God. But we need to be real before God and actually practice that spiritual discipline. From that time, God birthed something in Nehemiah's heart to say, Nehemiah, I want you to go and I want you to rebuild that wall. So out of grief and out of mourning and out of a time of prayer and fasting came revelation and action. So maybe this morning, there's a, maybe there's a loss that you're grieving. Come on, take it into this time of prayer and fasting and just allow God to speak to you, to heal you, and to lead you through it. A um, couple of other things here. Um, let me talk about, yeah, to gain victory and breakthrough. You know what? It's absolutely right to pray and fast because you want victory and breakthrough. I want to challenge you this morning. Each one of us should have a personal, goals may be the wrong word, but there, must, there should be something that we are believing for in faith that we want to see come to pass, either through February fast, in February fast, or as a result of February fast. You know, maybe it's a friend you're believing for. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a financial breakthrough. Whatever it is, we should all have something that we are believing for that we take into Feb fast. And if you want to read this story in, um, in Judges, it's, uh, it's an interesting story. You've got the Israelites battling against the Benjamites. I won't go into the detail of the background, but essentially there's a battle that's going on. And before the Israelites get their breakthrough, they actually suffered a couple of quite heavy losses. They lost about 40,000 of their own men. And then the Bible says that they came before God and they went up the mountain and they prayed and they fasted and they actually repented. And then the next day they got their breakthrough. So... I believe that as we come into February fast, it's right for us to be coming before God and saying, God, I'm believing for a breakthrough. But let me, let me just give you this little tip. Before you do that, just examine yourselves. Is there anything that you actually need to come before God and bring to God in terms of repentance? Because interestingly, in the book of Jonah, it talks about how Jonah had uh, pronounced um, God's destruction on the city of Nineveh. And it talks about how the king of Nineveh actually came to a place where he called a fast in the whole nation and they fasted and they prayed and God spared them. So we can come to God if we need to actually repent of something. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you know that there's something you need to put right before God. Well, 
you know, that is a brilliant thing to bring into FebFast because he's going to release you. He's going to release you and allow you to, to move on. And finally, just in terms of uh, examples of why people fast, I love this. In Luke chapter 2, it talks about this 84-year-old woman, this 84-year-old prophetess. Her name was Anna. And you know what? She came and she fasted and prayed for no other reason than she wanted to worship God. I reckon that's a brilliant reason just to come and pray and fast. If you've got nothing else that you, you're bringing into that, this time, just bring in the fact that you want to worship God, that you want to pray, and that you want to fast. Let me just finish off with a couple of uh, practical tips. So we talk, talked earlier on about, um, about being intentional. You know, this morning, why don't you just, if you haven't done so already, why don't you make a commitment to it? Maybe you're sitting here and you know about it and, You've seen people do it before. Maybe you've never engaged with it before. But come on, today, maybe you can make a commitment today and say, yeah, I'm going to engage with that. It's a good idea to be accountable to someone. Maybe your husband or your wife or your connect group leader or your pastor. Just say, do you know what? I'm going to do this. Because actually being accountable to someone, it it actually gives you a no way out, really. (laughs) It's powerful. Prepare a schedule. Don't just say, yeah, I'm going to do it. No, specify when you're going to do it. So maybe you're going to give up a certain thing for the whole time. Great. Maybe you're going to say, maybe you're saying, I'm going to do a full fast. Well, great. But name the days you're going to do and then stick to it. And finally, can I just encourage you? Expect results. Expect results. Now, don't worry if you don't necessarily see anything in this month. What you're doing now is you are planting seeds for the future. You're sowing seeds, which I believe will be reaped in time. Why don't we stand together? I'd love to pray for you. And then I'll hand back to um, Pastor Mike. who will take it from there. Why don't we just, uh, if you're comfortable, let me just encourage you. Just put your hands out in front of you. You Just just putting your hands out like this indicates that you have an open heart. And also indicates that you're saying, Lord, I just want to receive from you right now. Father, in this place... I just pray for for Faith Church, for every member of this congregation as we go into this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And Lord, I pray this morning as we've talked about the why and the how and the what of fasting, I pray, Father, that um, that people's hearts are excited, that people's hearts are engaged. I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you just come and that you minister. Father, I pray that even in this moment, just in this moment now, that you would bring a heightened sense of expectation. Lord, that as people carry um, what, they, what they will into this time, Father, I pray that they will be expectant that they're going to meet with you. Lord, that they will be expectant that this is going to be just an incredible time of training and communion with you. Lord God, we, I pray for each person that uh, participates in FebFast, Lord, that they come out at the, last, at the end of the 21 days they're just feeling built up, feeling that their souls are restored like still waters. Father, that there's something of... Christ that is visible in their lives that perhaps wasn't before. And Lord, I just pray your blessing on each person. 
I pray, Lord, your blessing on this church. Father, I want to declare and prophesy that as a result of this February fast, that it, this is a real catalyst in the life of this church, that it's a catalyst into, into reaching out into this community and actually seeing the name of Jesus really proclaimed high like a banner across this place here in Newport. Lord, we just pray your blessing on this church. We pray your blessing on this people, and we pray your blessing on this community. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.